welcome to yet another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, this it's, is episode it's 5,700. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, but it's uh, this is probably the best episode ever recorded. I can tell it already. We should have a contest. We should let people, we should ask people to count the episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And whoever gets the right answer, we'll send them something free. And since Aaron's not on with us today, we'll make Aaron supply the free thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Nate Larkin here with Newton Domini and... uh... (laughs) Mondo is here, too. Mini stroke. Mini stroke. Yes, Mondo Grimes. From guy coming to you from high above the mellow mushroom here in downtown metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. Aaron Porter is not with us. Uh, that's sad, but it it does give us opportunity to make fun of him. While yeah, we're here. Yeah, yeah. We actually sound like we're high above the mellow mushroom, <laughs> <laughs> not high above the mellow mushroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm feeling good. We got we got we got sunny skies here. Yeah. Uh, spring is not yet here, but you can smell it coming. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but I, especially I just I just returned from a week in Canada, in northern New York, where it was freaking cold. Yeah, it's like twenty below zero in the morning. Uh, yeah, snow banks higher than your head. Yeah, Allie and I were having a contest about the weather because I was in Denver when you guys were in. Yeah, uh, Canada, and I said something about my nose hair is like freezing up and falling out. And yeah, she yeah. said it's 18 below here, and I, and I shut up. <laughs> but, uh, but now you were climbing ice, ice? Yeah, was, for the for the first time ever. I actually missed a podcast. Yes, because I was literally on the side of a mountain. Wow. Uh, yeah, I went up to Denver for a benefit dinner for a climbing group, uh, the American Alpine Club, and uh, we flew up a little bit early. Uh, skied at Arapaho Basin on Thursday, which was awesome. Mm. And then we climbed in Vale on Friday, and that was also awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. You need to go. You need to expound on that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was ice. Ice falls off of mountains. It It does. It melts. melts, But when it's eight degrees, it doesn't melt. Yeah. Um, And it was. It's actually a really. it's a unique feeling. It was a unique experience. It's different than any other kind of climbing I've done. Um, I actually, in some ways, it's easier than I expected. In other ways, it was harder. Uh-huh. Um, it was easier in that I could do it. Um, uh-huh. It was harder in that it's just so physical. Yeah. Um, those guys on the Coors Light commercials don't make it look nearly as physically challenging as it is. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it was really cool. Um, there's a little bit of terror involved in having um, two big pickaxes in your hands and mm-hmm. razor blades on your feet knowing that you might fall um wow but it was it was really cool it was a really neat experience um now are you rappelling do you have safety lines and stuff so that yeah so we had um yeah a, a good friend of mine a guy that i've known since college uh he actually he jokes that he climbed he'll climb ice more times this year then he'll climb almost anything else. He just he loves it. He plans vacations around it. So he did all of the leading, like basically taking the ropes up and setting them. Yeah. And then I just top roped, which meant that I was at really no great danger. Uh-huh. Um, if I fell, it was just a little bit of rope stretch, and okay. you know, I start over and 
you know. <laughs> no, I climb out of bed in the morning. That's about that's the extent yeah. of my climbing. Yeah, but it was it was really cool. It was a really neat experience, and it was uh, yeah something that I didn't know that I could do. So just doing that was I felt like it was work for me. It's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Okay. What about me? Yeah. Well, we had actually I was up there in Toronto for the Promise Keepers guys, and uh, had a really good time there. And uh, we had a tough time getting home, though. That succession of storms was pounding the East Coast, and our flights were routed through Baltimore, which didn't want to accept flights. So twice in a row, uh, two days in a row, our flights got canceled, and we wound up driving home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but it was good. You know, I had a sweet time with my wife. It's been a long time. Allie had not. Allie and I hadn't gone on a long road trip since her cancer diagnosis a year ago or back in may so uh to have her back in good health and good spirits and, yeah you know that's cool man and we're going to leave tomorrow for or friday for another month we're heading heading south this time which is cool. really right. where you ought that's, to be going that's your, that's yeah, your yeah, language right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so i'm looking forward by the way to that manhood 3.0 conference in orlando at willow creek church uh march 7th and 8th and uh I'm doing a really cool thing in Miami on Saturday, March 15th, uh, something called Elector. So, um, you know, I'm the speaker, but I'm not the draw. The draw is free southern barbecue and a Cuban whole pig roast. Wow. Uh, and the Taranio family of cigars will be there as well. Okay, so yeah, you're definitely not the draw. No, I am yeah, not sorry. the draw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds cool, though, man. Yeah, so hanging out with uh, a bunch of a bunch of guys in Miami. Good, man. That's the deal. What about you? What what uh, you? I wish that the audience could see you right now because I know that they do not picture you, Mondo. Yeah. In shirt and tie. Yeah. Well, the, the tie is not tied yet. I see. It, it yeah, will be later. It'll be tied just yeah. before you hit the door, and you have to be the consultant. But, yeah, doing yeah. some consulting work, man. So that's you know, nice. You know how it is. You got to dress the part. You know. Yeah. You got to. Do you do take care of business? So uh-huh. be 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 respectable. You know what I mean. So, uh-huh. but yeah, I can dress up, man. I I, I can do I can do my thing. Trust me. <laughs> I have a closet full of dress clothes. Trust me. Just, yeah. You know that's you know choose when to win you know win a rocket. So right. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, but everything's cool, bro. Um, you know a lot of life going on. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, from my family to extend it to friends. It's, it's it's busy in life right now. Yeah. You know and. Uh, so, but it's cool though. It's good. You know, Newton and I were talking about that earlier, where yeah. it, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of heaviness going on, but but it's okay. It's good. Yeah. It's in the sense of th- there's forward progress and there's movement. Yeah. Um, it's not just heavy and stagnant. You know what I mean? So, it's, well, it's, it's, it's cool. It's group heavy. It's group heavy, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like many yeah. hands make a little bit lighter work. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, but things are cool, bro. Just uh, pressing forward and doing what I do, man. It's good to be conscious and present in the fight, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Life is difficult, but if you're if you're awake and not, you know, I spent so many years, I guess, not accepting the reality that life is difficult and medicating it away or resenting it and just not engaging in it, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Living in suspended animation carried by the current, it's good to be going upstream and not doing it alone. Yeah, man. Yeah. I yeah. feel you. I feel you. So what are we doing today, guys? I know we got we have a great guest. We got a great guest, yeah. And uh, I I don't know. I think we might 
might might do a little uh, mini meeting. Okay, let's do that. If you're up to it. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, we'll be back in just a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Whoa! All right, and we're back in the Pirate Monk podcast with a mini meeting. My name's Nate. Hey, Nate. Uh, welcome to this mini meeting of the Samson Society. For those of you who may not know or may have forgotten, we're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who've recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. We're natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. We're natural liars, now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. And natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, and for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing, honestly, out of our own personal experience, the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. Um, so, we've now reached the sharing with Skate Over, the regular meeting format. We've now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. Uh, we try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. Suggested topic for today is dramatic drum roll. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, risk. Risk. Uh, we're not confined to that subject. You may speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. Uh, I'll jump in. I'm Newton. Hey, Newton. Um, risk. Uh, I guess it's established that I do some risky things like. Mm -hmm slide down the side of mountains and climb up ice and try to climb up rock and whatever. And so that that's risk, but that's actually kind of easy risk for me. Mm -hmm. um, the risk for me in, like, it's present with me most with the, with the climbing trip uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'd never done that style of climbing. Yeah. And it really brought up a huge sense of inadequacy for me that I may not be able to do it. That risk of being... Uh, exposed as incapable or or inadequate, mm -hmm. uh, it makes me want to retreat. Yeah, a and risk in general, I like it, but I don't like it publicly. Mm -hmm. I like risk, and I, but I don't like it when someone can see it, when I have the the chance of failure. Mm -hmm. um, I get angry. I get edgy um, if I feel like I look stupid. Uh, I, I just I want to cower, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time I love the acquisition of new skills and knowledge. I love learning. Um, I love pushing myself. So I have this love hate relationship with risk, mm -hmm. where I I appreciate the risk of trying to pick up a new skill or learn something new, but I hate the potential 
for failure. Yeah. Um, and and so I I try. I try to practice risk, uh, or taking risks in. In ways that are appropriate and safe, if you can have a safe risk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I try to practice that, um, so that what little bit of muscle memory I have. Um, doesn't go away. I also have to practice that in relationships. I want to tell Mondo that everything's great and that, you know, it is sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and lollipops. I don't want to take the risk of saying, man, things are hard right now because I don't want, either I don't want to be helped with that mm-hmm. um, or I don't want to be, again, exposed as inadequate that I can't manage my own almost swore my own crap mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and so again taking those risks with my phone call to my silas mm-hmm. and telling him this is where i am right now you know every day those little risks to say okay it's okay being known because there's a big part of me that does not want to be known yeah and that thinks if i am that that bad things happen mm. um so that's that's where i am with risk I'm Newton. Thanks, Newton. I'll go next. I'm Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Uh, I like risk, and I also hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love it externally when it comes to uh, a business venture or a mm-hmm. task or a to-do or something that's involving works. Mm-hmm. Love it. I mean, that's that's the, the hunter, the fighter in me, the competitive side of me. I'm, I'm in. Then you flip that coin and make it uh, my emotions and mm-hmm. uh you know shine that risk light on uh, being honest with myself mm-hmm. being honest with where my mind has been uh, where my eyeballs have been mm-hmm. where my desires and and thoughts that only i know have been mm-hmm. um, the risk of putting that out there uh, one, I kind of go along with what Newton said. It's I don't want to be exposed, mm-hmm. uh, but I do know when I fight through that and I do expose it. There's a strength and a, a weight that's lifted from from doing it. So there's yeah. this, there's this pickle. Yeah. Um, you know, my because of course my gut instinct is shut down. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. Keep it to yourself. You got this. Can't let anybody see it. You're good. Yeah. Um, but over time you start wearing it. You know, at least I do. You know, I start looking like I'm holding on to something. Mm-hmm. Um, how you doing, Mondo? I'm good. Yeah. Conversations get really short. Yeah. Um, but I, I found that pushing through that, man, has, has really helped me um, get through life easier. You know, I have to fight through that, though. That's the thing. It's 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 a grind. You know, I it's like, you know, eating healthy or working out or something. It's like it doesn't feel good. That broccoli gets old and it yeah. doesn't taste good, but the fruit of putting that in your body, mm-hmm. the fruit of the risk of tasting not so pleasing things mm-hmm. or the, that, that risk on the other side of it is actually better for the marathon and not for that immediate sprint of self-satisfaction mm-hmm. or holding on to stuff for me. Yeah. And I, um, as of late, man, there's been a lot of uh, uh, work risk, mm-hmm. a lot of you know, to-dos and um, a lot of that. And and I can find that I will focus on that and totally ignore 
the risk I need to be taking personally. Yeah. yeah. I will compartmentalize with the quickness. And so mm -hmm. I'm taking risks. Look at all this I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then here comes somebody like Nate. So how are you doing now? Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about what I've been doing. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. to totally get away from really where I am. And so for me, I, I really have to be conscious of of keeping transparency um, and uh, a part of my daily life, yeah. um, taking that daily risk. Uh, yeah. The longer I stay away from that taking those risks, the harder it is to get back in it. Yeah. So I try to make it a daily practice of, you know, a friend asks me, how are you doing? I tell them. Sometimes I blindside them with mm -hmm. more than what they asked for, but but it but it, it enhances the relationship, and I'm I'm being honest. Yeah. I'm taking yeah. that risk of here it is. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's tough, man. Like I love it in some regards, <laughs> in some regards I hate it because it doesn't feel good up front, but yeah. later on it does feel good, man. And um, you know I'm, I'm taking a risk uh, quite a bit, you know, talking to friends, you know, mm -hmm. who. Um, I feel that you know my story can be a part of our relationship and our friendship because um, you never know sometimes how that's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know if, if taking that risk of exposing yourself is going to make people run from you mm -hmm. or or draw near. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. uh, but what's more important? You know, mm -hmm. you get to weigh that and it's like, well, I was honest. Yeah. You know, so so I'm constantly daily, man, trying to find those those uh, that balance between. Um, one not compartmentalizing, yeah, um, but then also making sure that I'm a daily practice of of transparency, vulnerability, right, um, and taking those risks emotionally, um, and at home with my wife too, man. Yeah, had a great conversation last night about some things where she asked me out of the blue because we've been talking about some other things. She asked me, so what are your strongholds? Mm. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go in the corner of Starbucks and so nobody else hears us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, and and we had a very real conversation. Yeah, uh, and it, it was a, it was a risk that didn't feel good, mm -hmm. uh, but I felt safe. Yeah, to have the conversation. So, so for me, man, that risk is like on the on the brain every day, bro. Yeah, every yeah. day. But but it's but it's good. It's gonna be challenging, but it's good. Mm. Uh, it's better with people. Yeah, it sucks when you're by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a risk for me. I'm Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Yep. I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Yeah, I too am very ambivalent about risk. There's a part of me that's just crazy. Uh, there is, uh, you know, I'm not a mountain climber, an ice climber. I don't do that. I don't skydive. Although I I would love to skydive. Uh, but I I've taken in in ways I am an adrenaline junkie, and. Uh, so I took, during my years of active addiction, took crazy, crazy risks. Health risks, risk my reputation, risk my freedom. I mean, I did stuff that could have put me in jail. Um, a fool, and I wasn't just gambling with my own life. I was gambling with my marriage. I was gambling with my family. Uh, now, there was something about the pulse pounding when I, hmm. when I did something where I could have gotten caught. And I think that that adrenaline was as much driving me as the lust, frankly. Um, and I have learned in recovery that boring is good, and that I don't need to. I don't need that kind of uh, st 
stimulation on a daily basis in order to feel alive. I can actually feel alive in other ways. Um, but it, I, you know, when I flip it over, another reason why I was engaging in that commercial sex activity, whether it was porn or whether it was hiring hookers, was in my own mind that spared me the risk of rejection. Because yeah. I never had a hooker turn me down. Hmm. I never had a hooker say, we need to talk. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> we're never going to have one of those conversations, right? Um, I've never had that conversation firsthand. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was all basically, you know, if you got the cash, then you're going to get something that approximates yeah. uh, intimacy. Although, you know, now that I, you know, that I've had the wonderful privilege of experiencing you know passion without lust you know intimacy you know that real love connection i see that what i was buying was just shabby all those years mm. a shadow of real connection but it was the connection itself that i was afraid of because once again it brings us back to shame yeah. my deep belief was that uh because i was aware of my brokenness so aware of it so ashamed of it and self-conscious if I ever let anybody actually see what was going on inside, they would reject me. Mm. Um, so uh, I really do appreciate the recovery community that I finally landed in at the age of 42 that lowered the, the risk, lowered uh, the level of risk so far that I was able still very slowly I wasn't one of those guys who plunged in I went I, I would put my toes in I stayed in the shallow end for a long time it took me a long time to get into the deep end of recovery um, but it was you know to be in a group where they said up front we can't kick you out and we won't <laughs> right if you want to be here you're here yeah uh, um and you know the endless patience they showed eventually uh you know by by making it a less risky environment they made it possible for me to start to sh to show my real self and to look at my real self because that's the thing in all those years of hiding from others i successfully hid from myself to the point where i didn't even know who i was what i wanted i, I sensed that i was broken but didn't know how um I, I sensed also that I had some, uh, you know, that, that 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 there were two sides to the equation, that that I had assets and they had I had liabilities. But, you know, I so exaggerated my liabilities that I didn't even have a sense of what, or, or, of of both liabilities and assets that I didn't have a true sense of either one. Right. Mm. Um, so, uh, I, I think I'm still risk averse. I, I do uh, I like adventure and uh, and so some risk is is uh, necessary for adventure but I think it's finally dawned on me here in my later 50s that it's actually safer to be known than not to be known mm-hmm that it's really what I'm doing right now, even when I'm out talking out loud about all my messed up thinking and messed up action and talking about my sin in the present tense, 
that's actually a safer place to be than the pretense that I did my best to maintain for more than four decades. All right. Th thanks. I'm Nate. Thanks, Nate. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's like Pocky. We guys, we plunder, we rifle, and we drink up behind his yo-ho. We kidnap and drive into Dolce And we're back in the Pirate Monk podcast with uh, author Bill DeVoe. We've had him on the on the show before and got great response from that visit. Hey, thank you for joining us, Bill. Thank you, Nate. For it's uh, great to be back here and uh, just to kind of uh, listen into what you're doing and hopefully uh, be of a, a bit of assistance and help. Oh, good, good. Well, I understand you're in the middle of another project. You got a you got a book. It's uh, it's in the kitchen right now. You're you're in the and the in the process of putting it together. Tell us about what you're working on. Yeah, um, it, the idea behind the book, it's, it's called Divided, and the idea behind the, the basic theme of the book is that there is a deep disjunction or chasm between our heads and our hearts. And it's a universal human condition. We mm -hmm. all experience it. The ideas and concepts that we even believe to be true sometimes are vastly different than what we different than what we feel and experience in life. Yeah. Um, but the divide really comes to play once we choose to become followers of Jesus because we have these truths and concepts that we're yeah. supposed to grab onto and believe. Yeah. And yet our core feelings and experiences about life sometimes are radically different from that, and we don't know what to do with that. So yeah. that's the basic idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, you know, I can certainly say that as a, you know, self-described Christian, somebody who grew up in the church, and then also uh, somebody who was an active addict for many, many years, uh, finding that, uh, you know, I violated on a daily basis my own most deeply held principles. Yes. Um and those things that I believed, at least on a conscious level, or told myself that I believed, uh, when it came down to this tug of war between something inside me that I couldn't understand and this rational, uh, you know, moral preacher part of me, it seemed as though... Right, right. Yeah, it seemed as though... Uh, I mean, it was really no contest. I might be able to hold off that urge for a little while, yeah. but eventually that thing was going to win. Uh, it seems to me that in the in the war between head and heart, uh, head is at a distinct disadvantage. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the way the divide opened for me, and really the, the story of it, that the divide is, is my, my story. It's so much uh, part of who I am and what I've wrestled with for years, uh, particularly when I was in pastoral ministry and found myself probably somewhat like you, uh, speaking and teaching about things that I knew my experience and feeling was vastly different from. So the divide was really a rupture there, but really where the divide started was when I was uh, 12 years old, and I was asked to be a part of a pickup basketball game for the school, uh, and I'd never played basketball in my life. So here I was being asked to be on a team in sort of an intramural competition, 
And, you know, you can imagine that situation, and like all boys in that situation, you get into, you get into something where you don't know what you need to do, and you sort of try and make yourself, as, you know, as invisible as possible. As, you know, you run from the ball, or mm-hmm. you give it to people who look like they know what they're doing. And it was really my first experience of shame. Yeah. I felt as if literally, you know, the entire world was watching me out there, and I felt like this was something I was expected to know how to do. Of course, I've never been coached in it, but you don't know any better when you're 12. Mm-hmm. And this it was my first experience of shame, and I, it was, for whatever reason, so debilitating. Yeah. And I was just in such shock from that experience that I made a vow to myself in that moment and said, I will never fail in front of other people again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't really have words for it at that point, but it was a deep settled sense I was going to deal with my shame. Well, that core sense, that core vow and the lie that came out of it, which is I'm kind of a failure anyway, that's the deep thing in my heart that drove me so much more strongly than any um, truth of the scriptures that I began to learn once I began to experience Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that, that idea, I'm never going to fail in front of other people, really had a hold on me and divided me deeply. And I couldn't figure out how to put together, you know, all the promises of God's comfort and presence and love when I felt so driven never to fail in front of other people. So for me, that's how the divide opened. Yeah. And where I could figure out, how do I put this split back together? Mm. Well, I, I, wow. I, to me, that's so terrific that you identified shame as the wedge yeah. uh, that separated you from your own heart or your heart from your head, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's like when and you... I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, my, from my, my experience in talking about this, I think shame is the wedge. Yes. Yeah. For everybody. It's not just my experience. Yeah. Shame right. is that universal uh, thing that happens to all of us where it just you know, begins to split us, not only our heads and hearts, but it splits us into the person we project and the person we really are inside. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and it's like what you were talking about earlier, that your head says Christianity or life should be easy, Mm -hmm. and your heart says it's not. Yes. And and for me, like, there's a shame there that says, I must be doing something wrong. Right. You know? Right. And for me, shame comes out in all kinds of sideways ways mm-hmm. and it just drives it this should be a video podcast so you guys can see the wedge i'm making it just <laughs> it just splits those things further and further apart yeah and then you've got a grand canyon between what your head thinks and what your heart feels like is reality right right yeah so we become you know, and that, that, that's, the, that, that's the image that i've had is a grand canyon mm-hmm. it's like at some point the divide grows so big it's like i don't even know how to get to the other side i don't yeah. even know how to close this yeah and then, I don't know about you, but I felt tremendous shame over the fact that there was a chasm. <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Yes. Uh, you know. Yes. Like, what's uh, wrong with me? Sure. So shame created the chasm, and then I was ashamed that the chasm was there. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> got to gotta, gotta hide it. Got to pretend to be integrated. Yeah. Uh, when really I'm alienated from my truest self. Or at least from what I fear is my truest self, and then, then that really becomes kind of a mind spinning. Okay, if if uh, 
if I truly have become kind of a Jekyll and Hyde character, well, then who am I, Jekyll or Hyde? Right, right, right. Right? So, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, uh, Bill, how it went for you, but I know that entering recovery, first of all, finding for the first time a shame-free environment, it was, yes. it was foreign, it was frightening and inviting all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to behave yeah. uh, in an environment in which I was encouraged to bring my true self uh, with all my failure, weakness, rebellion, hatred, brokenness, <laughs> uh, and uh, my glory at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and talk frankly about my faith doubts, which, by the way, I was never allowed to articulate uh, when uh, it was my job to be... Um, the the giant of faith. The preacher. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Talk to us about you know, and I, the process of putting it back together for you, Bill. Will you? Yeah. You know, the process of putting it back together was one of just I've, I've got to I've got to own up to it first of all because for years I ran from it. Right. You know, and of course there are other shaming experiences that just tended to reinforce the same lie that you're a failure and mm-hmm. and the 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 irony of something like that is that the more you try and be successful mm-hmm. and even i i was had tremendous perceived success as a teacher and even as a minister and as a coach it doesn't get rid of the sense of being a failure thing it drives it more because now i gotta succeed again the next day yeah. and i have to succeed again the next day so the pressure becomes immense uh for me Closing the divide was just quit. I had to quit running from it. I had to sort of like turn and face the shame. And for you, like as you talked about, it's like I've got to find a shame-free environment where I can begin to talk about these stories that happened to me. And I'll never forget how the first experience of this. I had a a friend who was my best buddy in college, and he happened to be a, a counselor. And I was going through a really difficult time in my 30s where I was kind of falling apart. And I was having to turn and face all of this. Yeah. And he said, he just, we were talking over the phone. And, and then he said, why don't you just like write down some of these stories that happened to you? So I began to write them down. And in the process of writing them down, all of a sudden I wrote four words I had never, you know, seen, never realized that I believed them. And they were part of this great, this divide that I felt inside of me. And these are the four words. It's it's not all my fault. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I believed for many years that all the things that happened to me were somehow all my fault. Yeah. That somehow I was to blame for it. And of course, I had my own share of sins and difficulties, but that everything that happened to me was somehow because I was a failure, uh, that that I wasn't worth time being you know spent, coached, or instructed, and that I was was kind of left out on my own because I guess that's what I deserved. And for me to pull up that that deep sort of lie that I believed uh, was was part was kind of the first my first clue. Like I have all these other things I believed all my life that are just not true. Yeah. And these are the things that had split me. You know, like I I can't fail in front of other people, or I'll never be the man to get the woman. 
diplomat. It's just on and on and on. And the process for me of closing and dealing with the divide was beginning to pull up all these deep beliefs in my heart that to me were much more foundational than the uh, than the theology of the Christian faith. Yeah. And then letting the Bible intersect those beliefs, letting the, the Spirit of God and letting God's voice intersect them, and then beginning to speak about them to other people and love them, you know, weigh in on it. So, you know, it was all of those things woven together were kind of the way in which I began to walk out and feel this divide begin to close inside of me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was uh, having a conversation yesterday with a fellow, and it's it's a conversation that I've had dozens of times in various versions with different fellows. You know, and he's describing his uh, you know his pattern of behavior, and uh, you know something that he'd done uh, that day, and he said, you know, I I I didn't want to do it. I knew I didn't want to do it. Um, I didn't plan to do it, and even while I was doing it, I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. And in the very end, I pulled away and didn't follow all the way through. But I wonder, why do I keep, and he used this great phrase, why do I keep going and dancing around that fire hmm. when I don't wow. even want to do it? Uh, and so, here, obviously, you know, I, I know, here's a, here's a friend of mine who's wrestling with that same divide. Uh, his heart is driving him to do something, and his his head's going, what the hell? What's this? Right? Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's the same dilemma that Paul describes in Romans 7. Yeah. It is. And this, this yeah, and Paul does a great job of um, describing that deep inner conflict of, you know, my head's telling me one thing, my heart's telling me the other thing. And I think you're right. When all this is said and done, all, usually our heart chumps our head. Yeah. For most of us. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, you said um, we just can't hold it together long enough. It seems to be a more powerful force, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You said that you, like one of the things that helped you close that chasm, bridge that divide, or close it up, was to turn and face shame. Um, yes. What are, what are some of the other things? Um, it's funny. I mean, this came up in my Samson meeting last night, shame. Um, and and it, it is, I think it's, like you said, the wedge. Uh, that 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 gets used against us. Um, what are some other things that, like people that feel that divide, that feel that disconnect, that they could do besides just turning and looking at it and acknowledging it? Yeah. To, yeah. to close that great, gap. Right. Well, you know, one of the, I, I basically came up with three words that to me are sort of um, kind of. Um, post the general journey out of the deep divide, and it's always a process, and we're always going to be closing the divide in this life, but at least you start to feel the healing coming yeah. and um, and becoming who you're supposed to be in Christ. But um, the three words are surfacing, listening, and telling. Hmm. Mm. And, and I, let me just pick a minute or two about each one. The, the, the surfacing is... Basically, becoming attentive and aware of your reactions to things um, and putting words to those. And, you know, you can watch a movie or read a story and all of a sudden find yourself weeping at the end. It's like, why am I doing that? Or getting angry in it. Or, you know, 
you can have an interaction with somebody and all of a sudden it pulls up something deep inside of you. And rather than sort of blowing through that or simply reacting, you know, these are all clues and chances for us to surface those deep core beliefs in our hearts mm. because they're operating all the time. It's just we haven't been attentive to them. So surfacing is like, if you can imagine, the divide is like a cancer. And it's like, we got to figure out what the cancer is and surface it and, mm. and give it a diagnosis. And without, you know, surfacing it and putting words to it, we're just kind of robots. We're just stuck. Mm. So that's the first one. And then the listening part is simply, now that we've pulled it up, what is the truth? And really beginning to listen to the Bible with those deep core beliefs and lies surfaced. And when I read the Bible that way, it reads so differently. It's just like this, you know, the, the, the magic happens there. I've had this happen so many times where the truth, God's truth, intersects my core lies. And there's a power that starts to break them. Uh, and again, of course, along with listening, is really le- learning to listen to God's voice because He wants to help us break these lies and vows. And, and He has, you know, personally spoken to me and guided me and coached me in ways, you know, no human could have done and, and helped me sort of uh, navigate uh, and close this divide. And then finally, the last word is telling. It's surfacing, listening, telling. And telling is the process of where we begin to tell our story to other people yeah. and really listen to uh, others tell their story to us. Because in that process, the very process of doing that without any other help also causes a divide. We simply become more of the people we really are simply yeah. by telling our stories from, and by listening to people's stories. It's so remarkable how it happens. So those are three general kind of places to press into that begin to take this um, this terrible divide and begin to sort of close it up yeah and i mean on top of telling when i tell my story i become safe for someone else to tell theirs um yes and and when they when they not reciprocate that but when they accept me as i tell my story that also you know starts to close that shame that i'm accepted you know and that i'm or i'm at least normal Mm. you know yes yes you know and, and even in my, you know, I came out of, I'm very thankful for my seminary education, and but, but one of the things that I jettisoned into this was what I call the three-point sermon. I know there's a place for that, and there's some good things out of that. But for me, when I do presentations now, I don't do any of that. I start with a story. Yeah. I start with other people's story or my story, and only when I've surfaced that and put words of that, hopefully people are surfacing that as they're listening, only then do I begin to speak about truth yeah. and about the scriptures. Right. Because that's how it's happened to me. And I just want to be able to do that, help do that for others. Yeah. Hey, Bill, uh, this is Mondo. I, I've realized over the years as I've shared my story with people, um, you know, sometimes you can kind of get a little arrogant and think, well, I'm sharing my story to help you. Um, you know, I'm doing the telling mm-hmm. part. Uh, but as you as you begin to speak, your story every time I do it I learn something new about me mm-hmm. and I'm telling yes. the same yeah. flipping story yeah that hasn't changed but each time I hear myself say it mm-hmm. I learn something different yeah. and uh, there, there's something powerful in that because it's, it's amazing when you're sharing a story from one side to the other there's obviously the community that's being built but 
individually, there's a lot of work going on mm -hmm. that neither one of you can quite explain. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, so the telling part for me has been huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and make that a continual thing. It can't be once. Well, I told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. It, you know well, I said it, said it once. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, one thing I think I told you, Nate, a while ago was uh, the Lord really convicted me by telling me, do not be ashamed of what I'm doing in your life. Yeah. So talk. Mm -hmm. Tell people. I don't care how it feels. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't right. care what you may, you know, pe what people may think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't care how shameful it may be to, you know, dig all that crap mm -hmm. up again. Mm -hmm. Keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's been fruit. I, I would hope on the other side of the table. Yeah. But the fruit that I can actually quantify, man, is it's been a whole lot of fruit inside of me. Yeah. By just hearing the same story come out of my own face. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I really resonate with the telling part, man. That's huge for me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 That, and I've experienced that too. Just, you know, when you, you when I tell my story, it's like I, I do, I learn more about myself. Yeah. And listening to other people's stories, I learn more, you know, I learn more about myself. They're able to put words to things that I've never been able to put words to. Right. 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 Exactly. And, and, and interpret, interpret things that I've never been able to interpret. So the thing works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is also how we operate, you know, in just terms of the body of Christ and help each other build each other up. Uh, I think this is just a piece of that, and it's a very powerful piece of it. Sure. Well, Bill, um, I pray God continues to open doors of uh, insight and inspiration to you as you work through this project. We look forward to seeing the book in its completed form. Are you uh, now? I don't know about you. I I never finish a book unless I have a deadline. Otherwise, I, <laughs> I tend to I tend no, to get distracted and drift too. off into other projects. Uh, do you have a deadline in mind? Do you? Or do you I, know do, I do. I do. I have to get it uh, in um, to the publisher June first, and then it's going to come out uh, next March. Yeah. Yeah. The wheels of publishing grind exceeding slow. Yeah, okay. That's right. right. I know. I yeah. know. Okay, so it'll be out in a little over a year. Yeah, in a year it'll be out. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so uh, much it, for giving us a preview, man. Oh, yeah, this has just been great. Well, it helps, you know, it helps me to tell it, and it helps me to, to feel the questions and just to hear your response to it. All of that is so helpful. And so thank you so much. You've helped me. All right. Well, great talking to you, brother. We appreciate you and what you're doing. And uh, we, we look forward to visiting with you again. Uh, That's great, Nate. All right. Take care, man. Appreciate you. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. Oh, oh.
Well, that wraps up another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Thanks to Bill DeVoe. For... Uh, it's actually, it's the Pirate Monk Podcast. You have to say it right. Man. Here we go. Be ready. The Pirate Monk Podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do. Speaking of shame. <laughs> so we're, we're done with this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Bill DeVoe for sitting in with us. Thanks for you guys. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, for Nate and for Mondo. Oh, website. Oh, website. Yes. Um, Find us at SampsonSociety.net. Send us an email at yep. SampsonPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet us at Pirate Monk Radio. Um, yeah, there's lots of ways to connect with us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Newton for Nate and Mondo and the absent Aaron. Have a good week. Pirate